0: Lord be with you. Let us pray, Heavenly Father. We just thank you for Advent and that uh, for this spiritual discipline of waiting uh, for the thing that tells us uh, that we are not in charge uh, of, well, really of anything, but but especially of the time. And so we wait. Uh, we wait for. The celebration of your first coming. We wait for the reality of your second coming. We wait for the resolution to our earthly problems. We wait uh, because you've called us to wait. And now, as we look at these meditations, pray that you would open our hearts uh, to your spirit this morning. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Well, it's good to see you. I hope that you enjoyed these readings. Um, some of them are a little, I mean, they're just kind of like, oh, wow, you're going to go there, huh? Like, uh, it's, it's, uh, it- it's a li- I, for me anyway, a little bit uncomfortable, um, and, in, and I think in a good way, uh, in a good way. Just making me sort of come to terms with the fleshiness and the reality of the incarnation in a way that I really probably thought of more ethereally or theoretically, but not in a sort of practically. Oh, I remember that point in the birth process, kind of, uh, kind of way, and only as obviously as a observer. Um, so, this has been um, good, I think, good, good for me anyway. I hope, I hope for you. All right, so we're going to look at the art first. I'm going to um, look at. Chapter 12, 13, and 15, 12, 13, and 15 is what we're going to talk about. You, if you'd like to talk about some of the other ones, uh, just raise your hand and say, oh, I wanted to talk about this point, and that would be fine. But um, but the one, I've, the ones I've picked for our discussion this week, Chap, beginning with chapter 12, scene, and so the artwork is on page 94, take a look, do you have that, Ray? Let's see. Katie probably does. So he may raise God. Katie is All right. So, um, so, what do you see on these hands? What what do you see? Yes, Ralph. Well, a lot of cosmic things, stars and moons and things, and then kind of the tree of
1: life and being held between two hands, getting nurtured to this tree of life, kind of like the desert analogy of the You're right. That um, without the hands, there would be I mean we've all tried to
0: plant things and you know it's sometimes it doesn't work out really well, but the hands of God I thought I was the only one yeah no there's <laughs> the other people have problems planting things too Okay, very good Yeah. it also reminds me of blue dot I couldn't hear what you said Carl Sagan's blue tiny blue dot oh the tiny blue dot that Carl Sagan told me yeah Uh
1: huh. Right. Yeah,
0: I mean, just how, in 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 the grand scheme of thing, how how just small we are, right? How small we are. Uh, another, I mentioned a very inane movie um, in 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 the sermon. A very, another inane movie is uh, Men in Black, which actually uh, explores the idea of uh, relative size, uh, which is. N- Probably something for Epiphany. Wait, wait, that's... Men in Black is your quintessential Epiphany movie. Um,
1: Elise, Elise. yes. I see God's hand
0: at work here on earth with the
1: other hand.
0: God's hand at work on earth with the other hand? Yeah. Okay.
1: And uh, obviously the tree is also in which indicates
0: the divinity. Yes. So out of the one hand of God comes life. Nourished by the other hand, right? Look, turn over uh, in your book to page one hundred seventy, and there's a similar concept uh, for the art on chapter twenty-three, which we're not going to get to. Um, And it's you see the the baby as the with the cosmic. Uh, This is page page one hundred seventy. Show
1: Katie. Yeah.
0: Oh. Yeah, so you have, uh, and I should have said this, if you don't have a book, we have some extras over here. Anybody, we've got, what, two, it looks like two copies. Anybody need a book? Welcome to take a look at it. Stephen, just, i am put you in charge of Whoever, Stephen's got the other one. He's got two now. He's got way more than he needs, so... <laughs> Get with Stephen, okay. Anything else to say on the hands? He actually, this is the one that he actually explains, and I think it's cool to we'll read that explanation. But he, the verse he uses is from Isaiah 53, which is a very Lenten, sort of Good Friday passage, and um, and it's it's really an, an interesting use or uh, choice for for an Advent. Um, lesson, but he says he grew up, this is, this is Jesus, that is the whole Isaiah 53 just blows me away every time I read it, but he's speaking, he's speaking about the coming Messiah, he grew up before him, before God, like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him, uh, and it goes on, if you haven't read it, it, it's, it is Good Friday, and it is amazing. To think, especially that it was written 700 years before it actually happened. So, as we turn into this chapter, um, this is, I think, the longest chapter uh, that he has, and he says the the incarnation is the process of becoming seen. Now, this is again, this is, I don't love all of his language, uh, and and that's okay because you know we, I, I'm myself and he's himself. Um, but it is, uh, I think, certainly the incarnation is the process of God becoming seen. It, it, is, it is the incarnation, the word, um, Latin word carne, meaning flesh or meat, um, that, that we, we, is it is the infleshing uh, of God. So this is how we see God. And in fact, the scriptures say, if you want to see the Father... Look at the Son. In fact, Jesus says, how can you ask, you know, the night before he dies, the disciples say, just show us the Father, and that's enough. He says, how can you say that? You've known me all this time. Um, which is to say, to know Christ is to know the Father, but it is the, in the fleshiness of, of Christ that, that we can see, and it. not just spirit, for you and me, it's spiritual, right? But he, he kind of moves quickly away to this, uh, the dichotomy between law and grace which is to say a religion that says we earn it versus a relationship that says it is given to you. Um, and I want to read that. So it starts with the third paragraph there. There is a spirituality. Just see if you can ident- identify with this, um, either as personally or uh, as an observer outside of yourself. Um, good. good. Uh, there is a spirituality that operates out of the belief that one flourishes by earning love. That if I do this, but mostly focus on don't doing that, then I'll be loved. Then I'm in the heavenly club. My club membership is safe and secure. Well, until I do that thing that I'm not supposed to do, then I feel guilty. And I need to admit my wrongdoings before the club president and ask for his forgiveness. And then I'm back in the club. But then the next day I do that thing that I'm not supposed to do, and... Uh, I have to go back to the club president, start all over again, and unfortunately, also, uh, this happens pretty much every day. So my membership is constantly in question, and it is a very anxious spirituality to have. Anybody recognize this? Yes? Yes, because you know someone like this, right? Yes. Um, Not yourselves. Um, Anybody want to talk about their friend that they know? And how they your friend that has experienced this?
1: I think it sounds like Paul. Ooh. Yes. In Romans, yes. which we're studying. Yeah.
0: All right, say more about that. It sounds like Paul in Romans. Yes. Chapter 7, I think, is what you're talking yes. about. Yes. Uh, I do those things which I'm not supposed to do and don't do those things I'm supposed to do. Yes. And I wonder why I do them. Woe unto me, right? Yes. Who will rescue me from this body Especially of
1: death? A good guy, but...
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, he's going to tell us. Vicious. He's going to, that, that he understands the first paragraph, and he's going to lead us to the second paragraph in chapter 8, which I actually quoted in, in the sermon this morning. Um, but yes, there's this, we know it, don't we, this idea of having to earn it, whether it's with God or with our father, our earthly father, or our mother, or our mother-in-law or our spouse, or our boss, or our neighbor down the road that always has the latest thing that we never, and we try to get it, and then they have the other one. You know, like, look at my new phone. Oh, I just got the, like, you know, whatever it is. So um, it it is this constant feeling that we can get of trying to keep up. And when we're talking about that socially, that is frustrating, but we're talking about spiritually with God, it is, like you said, just just anxiety-inducing. Or, totally discouraging, and what I always say about this is it creates failures and Pharisees, right? Like, it creates uh, failures who say, I, I've had enough. If that's the God that I have to keep on uh, proving myself to, then I don't want to have anything to do with it. And they leave, eventually. Or just stay and sit discouraged. Or, they think, I'm, I'm a lot better at this than, than those guys over there. And, um, and so they create, they become Pharisees. And, and you know pat themselves on the back and get a little self-righteous about it. And so there's this uh, idea, and we call that in theology, we call that the law, whether it's the actual Levitical Mosaic law of God or the, the Ten Commandments, or if it's just the sort of little l laws that we have this always keeping up, this moving target of trying to um, be enough. So then that on page 98, the second paragraph, then there's another spirituality, based on the notion that it's actually not through earning, but through receiving, that one flourishes. And incidentally, as far as I know, Christianity is the only spirituality that offers this. An embodiment that has dug down deep and found the wellspring of love that never ends and rooted itself in that eternal source. This spirituality is lived out based on the understanding that love is something that... You can never be taken away from that love is the animating source of incarnation. <clears throat> it love is the animating source of incarnation. In other words, the, God so loved the world that he gave his only son to the end that all that believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. He did not come into this world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Right? It, love is the animating source of incarnation and it can't be taken away from you uh, you can run away from it you can deny its existence or that it's enough for you or that you don't, I can't t- come to term with, terms with it but it'd be like saying i'm just sick of air <laughs> i'm not doing air anymore air gets dirty and i, I i'm not going to not have air right i mean you can't your declaration uh, that you don't want the love of god doesn't mean you're not going to be loved by god you can't have it taken away from you. Now you, I think, as C.S. Lewis says, there's, you know, hopefully we say to God, thy will be done, but there's many to whom God says, thy will be done, and we don't want to be in that mode, Right? We don't want to be in the one that God hands us over uh, to our doubts. Um, so here's, the next paragraph is actually where he identifies uh, and describes for us the his art. In the image provided, we see a tree emerging From the hands of the giver of life, the tree symbolizes the incarnation of the Christ, Jesus. Somebody said the leaves are gold, that's divinity. The tree symbolizes Christ, Jesus, uh, from the source of life into this reality we all find ourselves in. But the tree also symbolizes the journey of growth. Because you you start small with a tree, but you get big, right? The journey of growth that every living thing moves through, including us. This symbol of the tree also has a sneaky meaning in that the glory of a tree's incarnation is that it is a tree. It doesn't try to be a hamster or seaweed or a humpback whale. Its glory is seen by all, uh, by, all by being its fantastic barky and limmy self, which is significant. Because one of the qualities that makes human beings so unique out of all other living species is our capacity to reject being ourselves, to hide our identity. Put on a mask. Pretend to be something we're not. I mean, like your dog never you know, puts on a happy face when he's really upset, right? If he's upset, he's going to let you know, right? And um, just, he says, just visiting political lobbyist convention. You'll see what I'm talking about. In fact, one of the main story arcs of a human life is the revelatory moment when reality strong arms you into admitting, okay, okay, this is who I really am. And then you embrace that truth with kindness and sympathy. So let me ask you this. There is this incredible grace in just being known and being like this says, okay with who I am. And there's also the truth that God loves us where we are, but he loves us too much to leave us there. And we are, there is some growth. There is some um, pulling away from the point where God met us and moving into maturity. So what is the balance? How do you balance how should we balance being known as we are and moving away from who we were in order to be more of who God wants us to be?
1: You can grow and develop within a framework where you have this basic structure of who you are. You grow and develop in that, and you're not, you're, you're growing in alignment with, with both God's plan and then just consistent with who you are. I mean, it depends on, like, the pieces that you want to change, right? You know, but if I'm a uh, cranky, curmudgeonly jerk, you know, maybe those are the pieces that, you know, find the other pieces.
0: Hypothetically better. speaking. I, that, that's yeah. just, yeah, it's purely hypothetical. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, sorry.
0: I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, you're fine. Yeah. Right. i kind of losing the train of thought anyway.
1: I'm losing the structure of the train of thought, so...
0: Well, it, it, to follow that hypothetical situation, I don't want to continue to be a curmudgeonly jerk, and yet I'm accepted and loved as that, and so it's actually in that accepting, somehow, that I find my way out of it. Mm-hmm. Not really sure how that works, but he talks about that a little bit more in, this, in the book. What else? Thank you. That's a good contribution. How else do we find the balance between being accepted and loved uh, as we are and being moved away from who we are? towards maturity in Christ. In church community, I think.
1: Jeannie. It helps to be around other Christians, uh-huh. like in our church, yes. or in the same path. And maybe mm-hmm. some other people
0: you know they are not going to help you with that. And I think it was, um, Alicia, you should said the same thing, right? Community, right? So yeah, that's, that's why we're, you know, it doesn't need to only be church community because then how would the people who aren't in church ever come, get our way? But but we need to be around other Christians a significant portion who are, in fact, on the same path. Now, there's, there's some Christians I know that I'm not really sure we need to be hanging around them. I mean, I'm not, God bless them, they're they're Christians. You know, we need to be wise in the people that we hang out with because we want to be, I mean, somebody said like, you are the, the uh, you're the sum of the five people that you hang out with the most. You know, that's, that's an important, um, important, now that's, you know, somebody's sort of leadership guru's thing, but. We are all products of our, our environment, so we're wise to be careful with our environment. That's good. Yes, Mose. I
1: think the toughest thing is when you're trying to be yourself. You want to be, a lot of people want to be something that other people want you to be, and so you change the way you live. And I have found that the older I've gotten, the less inhibited I am, that I who I am. And if somebody doesn't like it, that's too bad. Be yourself. Yeah. That's the hardest thing, to be yourself you want to be accepted by other people. And if you're yourself, some, of, some
0: people not, might not like who you are.
1: Some people might
0: not like you, who you are. So you're a chameleon. Yeah, a lot of chameleons. Yeah. Lot. You know, and I think, listen, you can't just say, well, I'm a curmudgeonly jerk and that's who I am and they're going to take it or lump it. Like, you, like, we have a we have a responsibility to love our neighbor and to not be that jerk. And yet, it's, so you're not being a chameleon if you you're nice to someone. You know, that's... But I I, so I think we again we have to be wise in that I don't think we always get to say well this is just who I am if it ticks people off and yet if if um, if we're uh, Paul says as far as it depends on you make peace with everyone sometimes it's hard to make peace so there's two kinds
1: of changes right yeah kind of talked about here is the chameleon change which is a temporary superficial change but if you make a deep fundamental change then you can still be accepting and loving of who you are, but you just change who you are. You change that fundamental piece. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, you for the better.
0: Your truest self is who God made you to be. Yeah. And so you're never the process of becoming who you're, God made you to be is never one of putting a mask on, but always of taking our masks off. Yeah. yeah. All right. Good. Let me last last thing in this chapter. I want to. Um, Talk about—he—he he moves from there to talk about this uh, incarnation is a risk because it—it it is vulnerable, um, and so then he kind of gets a, into a little more like our own incarnation I'm, with language I'm not exactly comfortable with, but here I want to say what we see in Jesus. This is page one hundred at the bottom. Uh, what we see in Jesus is a spirituality that is grounded in the never-ending spring of love that was the source of everything he did. It was the source that enabled him to forgive the haters. It was the source that emboldened him to meet others in their pain. It was the source that ignited him to speak hope in a culture desperate for a new way. It was the source that empowered him to lay down his life for those he loved, which is humanity. <clears throat> um, May it be known that the giver of his existence took the same risk that we all have to take daily to be seen and known as the person we really are. Now, here's my question is, is that right? <laughs> is he right about that? Did God take a risk by becoming human and, and to be seen and known? It, seems to
1: me, it would seem to me that it... God knew from the very beginning what was going on, that
0: He didn't take a risk. Okay. It would seem He or did not take a or risk. Or
1: if He did
0: take a risk, He knew what. But I don't believe He took a risk.
1: Yeah, I, I'm okay. Vulnerable is that another?
0: Well, He's certainly vulnerable. I mean, He came as a right. infant who needed you know, constant care. Right. And yet, was that risky? Because the outcome was never in doubt, or was it?
1: What's What's the risk here? Is the risk? Will his message and mission fail, or that like there's a visible risk
0: to his well-being? Well, he says that the risk of incarnation is the risk of love, and love risks heartbreak, rejection, being sold out by your friends because love is also the animating source that brings about all the wonderful things in incarnation, like companionship. And the thing is, is I don't think that Jesus was even a little bit surprised by all of the heartbreak that he received. I mean, now, so rejection, the heartbreak, we wouldn't have had good He either. came for it. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I I just want to say that that I think that well-intentioned, but I think it's a little touchy-feely. Yep. I
1: also think in that particular paragraph, the way I interpret when you read it, we are the ones taking the risk of
0: loving because we don't know necessarily what the outcome will be in any situation. But I don't think Jesus took that same risk. Letting God work in you yeah. is a risk. Yeah. But I don't. At least I don't see it the way that he sees it in terms of God taking a risk. So, uh, is, is,
1: it a, is letting God working you a risk here on earth or long term?
0: Like, oh, I don't think it is. A, or, I don't think it's a risk long term. Exactly. Yeah.
1: It's like, yeah, you, you may... You it's know, a good, good distinction. ...here a little bit on earth. You know, you, you try and help the, the homeless person and they go buy a bottle of foods or whatever. Yeah. whatever. You give money. You threw away the five bucks or whatever you gave them or that, whatever risk that you may have here on earth. Sure, it might not go how you want it, but you know, when you get to heaven that'll play,
0: Yeah, you know. When someone on the street
1: can be helped. Yeah. I Last think, thing. Did did God take a risk when he created <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. find I find a parallel of what he created to when Jesus came. I personally don't think my understanding of God allows me to say that he could ever take a risk. Mm-hmm. Because he's beyond my, my, my understanding of risk-taking.
0: I'm going to encourage you to continue these conversations. I want to keep moving. Um, there's some other hands up. But I'm just going to move. I love you. And I'm going to keep moving. And I'm going to take a risk. <laughs> turn to page. Page one hundred three. When I first saw this art, I was like, "Nope, not doing that one." Um, and then, but then I thought, I really like what he has to say in this in this thing, and I just wonder it is. And I mean this in the best way. It's vulgar. I don't I don't mean that it is um, naughty or rude, but it is certainly an image of Mary that we're probably uncomfortable with. And so I want to just invite us into the discomfort for just a minute. So what do you see? I'm on page 103, or 102 is the actual picture. A woman in pain is real, it's life. It's life. She's also alone. She's alone. She's by herself. Except for the halo over her belly, right? Yeah. Yeah. And which is not, I mean, we anticipate that at least Joseph was there. But honestly, like when uh, the Africans tell the story about, because we all tell it out of our own culture, and Western folks tell it where they were isolated and alone. But Africans, from what I hear, when they tell it, there's this whole tribe of people that comes with you know this whole clan that goes along with them because who in the world would let a woman at eight and a half months pregnant travel by herself? and We're going to deliver this baby like we're coming too. I mean that's just their culture, and so uh, and so that's the way they tell the story, which I think is actually. I mean we bring a lot of our own assumptions, and he actually talks about that in one of the one of the chapters. She's not really alone because the Caleb kind
1: of goes all the way around her as if she's surrounded. Yeah. Because none of the
0: other pictures have that. Yeah, there is a divinity all around her. That, that, yeah, she's encapsulated in that as well. That's, that's a great observation. That's not just a frame. It's a, the color of the frame is actually uh, intentional, I think. You're right.
1: For the Trinity.
0: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit upon her, yeah. And yet she's still in the presence of God, totally in pain. Mm-hmm. And we, I think we...
1: It's life.
0: It's life. Yeah. Birth
1: is difficult.
0: That's what <laughs> labor is, <laughs> Katie says. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Don't you think this illustrates the humanity
1: part of Jesus yeah. more than anything?
0: Does This <laughs> illustrate the humanity of Jesus more. Yeah, I, I and and Mary, who we often sort of etherealize as well, and um, and we should, I think, beatify her. But but it, my goodness. I mean, yes, she was. I often will say. I mean, she was she was the first Christian. I mean, she's the one who trusted in in God's saving act through this child and um, and gave her heart to him, even though as she uh, she carried him. So he talks about the um, the go into a cathedral and everything there is intentional, and yet how we cover it up in order to tell the story. And he says, you know, he says, I get it. Like, we, Jesus was naked on the cross, but we, you've never seen a picture of that. You know, he's all, not one that's trying to be honoring uh, to the cross anyway. He's always covered up. And, of course, he is. Um, he says on page 105, how do you depict something sacred? To make something sacred is to give reverence to the weight of its importance Something significant happened in our seemingly ordinary world, a meeting between the finite and the infinite that changes the way we understand the reality we find ourselves in. So to not forget it, we memorialize it and set it apart. We honor it and maybe add some shiny gold leaf in an attempt to let its message transform us. It's helpful and necessary, Um, and we've always been doing it, but my only problem in the process of making something sacred is that we usually cut out all the really human stuff that is equally part of these divine happenings. So, is it good to cover up the vulgarity of the incarnation? Charlotte, brave one, go ahead. <laughs> well, I think, you know, if you think about
1: those of us who have had babies, and, you know, it. it, it it's not fun and it wasn't clean and it didn't necessarily smell good but the focus was not on
0: that the focus really was on the end result sure when you had your baby and I think that's
1: I think maybe that's why that's not this big because the focus is not on that short period of time that you're in pain the focus is on the end result
0: right if it was you'd never have a second <clears throat> oh, right well. yeah yeah oh, well, did so <laughs> <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> um, well, yeah. I mean, but 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 you're right. I mean, I think for all for all of us. I mean, for, for not us, but obviously for all of you, um, ladies who have had multiple children, it, it is. I mean, it is the end result. What else is it good to cover up? And I, there may be a better word than vulgarity. I, it, I just. Part, my problem, I don't consider it vulgarity. Yeah, and I don't can I don't mean vulgarity in a in a negative sense. I just means that, is it okay, so let me is it is it good to cover up the naked humanity of the incarnation. It's not
1: good.
0: It's not good. Oh,
1: no. The
0: problem is is we don't look at the humanity mm. of the incarnation and the birth. So I think, I think it is good to usually cover it up, personally. I think it's good because it tells the story more. It tells, like, it, we tell it to our children. It, it, I mean, I think there's a, there's a modesty that honors Mary and, and Jesus, and I think that's good. And I think it is good to revisit it. And it, this is helpful because it stirs us and reminds us that, wow, I mean, this happened, it, you know, and it didn't happen in a, you know, in a, in a pristine labor and delivery room. It happened in a cave. I mean, if you've been to the, the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem, it's not a stable. It's a cave. You know, there was probably a house built on top of it, but where they kept the animals was underneath. And why we got to have a barn out back now, I don't know but it was underneath. It was dug out. And you have to go down this narrow staircase and and kneel down in this low-hanging place where the it is said that the manger was. And you can just touch it right there. And it's amazing. But it was dirty. And, pardon me? No running, no running water. Yeah, they'd had to bring it from the stream down the... Down, down the way and hopefully heat it up and you know it's like how do they do I don't know how they do all that
1: i a different issue. he said when we make it sacred oh so, mm. do we make things sacred well I think
0: we recognize it we have to set it apart in order to recognize it
1: I would say painting something up with gold leaf and making rococo is not making it sacred
0: uh, I I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd hear your point uh, and it's a fair point that God, it's God that makes things sacred but I think I think what he's saying is we want to we want to set it apart and remember it because we recognize its holiness. So I I I, I see okay. I I see. John? Yes, Katie. Um, I think in the, co- the covering up is, is not good
1: because we concentrate on the name Jesus and Mary, Savior. Rather than getting to the
0: meat of Emmanuel, God with us. I don't know if you could hear that, Katie said that that by getting to by covering it up, we 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 lose Emmanuel, God with us. Is it? Did I get that right, Katie? Is that? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And, and so I I am with you. I for those who say it's not good uh, to cover it up, I, I, I still think it's appropriate to sometimes cover it up. But um, but I think it's really helpful for us as adults, particularly. To go back and recognize it, and that picture just, like I said, I was like not touching that one, and then I was like, we got to, like, we got to go there, and that's a really, you know, and and I w- why wouldn't I go there? Because I'm a man, right? And I and I and I don't want to offend anybody. I'm going to say something wrong, and I probably already have, and um, and, and I um, and I just, you know, like that's just it's uncomfortable. Why is it uncomfortable? Because it is so real, and it's just. Um, and there's a there is a sacredness to to the the, the femininity of it that I can't understand and explore uh, all the way. But but if it weren't for that, I wouldn't be here today, literally. But also spiritually, right? So praise God for you women. All right, let's go to chapter. Unless there's something else to say. Oh man, yeah, that. Oh. Yeah. I'm looking at it wrong. Got it. We're right on track. Uh, anything else to say about that chapter? All right, let's look at chapter 15, page 118. <laughs> We've got um, a little baby with a Shazam lightning bolt over his eyes. And if you look closely, well, I'm, I don't know. What do you see? <laughs> What's, what's written on the on the uh, wipe? Mighty. Mighty. And what's written on the lightning bolt? God. Yeah, so this is going back to, if he goes through these chapters, the, the passage from Isaiah, uh, a child shall be born to us and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so he goes through all of those, uh, all four of those titles from Isaiah. And in order to illustrate Mighty God, he doesn't, pick this, and he, and he talks about it, right? He doesn't pick this Superman sort of type. He picks this vulnerable little baby having his butt wiped. And, um, as, what's that?
1: I said, what, which is labeled mighty.
0: Yeah, there was there were mighty things when I was wiping buzz like that. Um, <laughs> it wasn't the kid. Um, <laughs> So he begins by saying, This is if you live long enough, your life will begin and end with someone wiping your butt. (laughs) From vulnerability to vulnerability, we live. That is to say, weakness will be a companion throughout our lives. (laughs) In a culture that idolizes, Uh, and and I mean that in the most religious sense, strength and beauty. Um, This is not the image of a mighty God that we, it's not the entry into talking about a mighty God. It's not the image that we want for ourselves. Um, Your life starts as a baby in complete vulnerability and existence is accomplished with the help of other, only with the help of others. Um, then we grow up. He says, <laughs> "Your thirties and forties. You have a deeper sense of yourself, but your knees go into retirement." Um, <laughs> which is uh, true. Uh, what do we? So here's the, here's a good question about right at the bottom of one twenty one. What do we think about when we hear the words "mighty God"?
1: Just think
0: of thunder and waves crashing. Mount Sinai, you know, yeah, just this
1: kind
0: of Old, Testament, kind of Old yeah. Testament yeah, the, uh huh? Theophany. Theophany, yeah, so, th- wh- okay, nerd, what is the, uh, <laughs> uh I mean, I know what it means, but why don't you tell the rest of them? Well, that's the
1: cloud on the top of the mountain with lightning bolts and yeah. rumbling. Yeah.
0: Uh, the physical manifestation, maybe not in- incarnation, but the physical manifestation. Incarnation is a theophany, I think, but thing. But the um, but the, the physical manifestation of God, like the light the cloud of of um, pillar of cloud and the and the pillar of fire. What else? What do you think of mighty God? Omnipotent, omnipotent, all powerful. Yeah. Parting Able to anything. do anything. Pardon me? Parting the, Red sea. Parting the Red Sea. Yeah, absolutely. And there are so many passages that talk about the strength of God, which, and of course, there ought to be. There ought to be. Um, he says, but if Jesus is a vision of the invisible Almighty, what does his incarnation tell us about a mighty God? is mighty, referring to his physicality, personality, spirituality. Spirituality. So, yeah, there are physical things that are powerful, and he certainly can and has done that. And there is, I would say, personality-wise, there are mighty things about God, because he's the one in charge, right? I mean, ask Pharaoh, what do you think about his personality? He's mighty, right? But it's spiritually and, and it's not, what we have is not this, um, this superhero, spandex kind of God. And I think that's a really interesting, I encourage, if you haven't read it, I encourage you to. Um, but it says in the middle of the last paragraph on page 123, Jesus is mighty, not because of his capacity to overcome hardship, but because of his willingness to go through human hardship, like we have to do, it is this compassionate empathy that has the power to transform the human heart. How does God restore? And He uses it, and He talks about that at the beginning to kind of jolt us a little bit. It never quite sits right with me. So, but that's just um, that's just my own baggage, but. How does God restore what it loves? By being with what God loves. How does love uh, defeat its enemy, death? By accepting it and go through it. How does God show itself to be mighty? God humbles, I'll just say, himself and owns being human. God accepts the humility of weakness of being born. Uh, God accepts the humility and vulnerability of eventually dying. And it is this mighty ground that God saves the world through. And that to me is like a mic drop. You know, like just his mightiness is not in his overcoming defeat. It is his willingness. It's he overcomes and defeats by going through and walking through and actually being killed. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's. You know, I think of the Psalm one thirty nine. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. I cannot attain to it. Like it's just when I think about the might of God being expressed through loss and vulnerability and weakness, and yet saving the whole world through it and reconciling the whole world to himself. It's just, it could bring a lump to my throat um, to hear about that. What do you think?
1: And the resurrection.
0: And the resurrection. Well, that's mighty, (laughs)
1: right?
0: In In a super, almost, you know, Superhero kind of way. Yeah. Um, but yet still, he made himself flesh in the resurrection. Mm-hmm. It be an interesting theological uh, musing to see. Is is resurrection also incarnation? Just thinking out loud here.
1: Who's the nerd now?
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. He's the nerd now. Mm-hmm. Thanks, buddy.
1: Um, yeah.
0: Just all right. We got about three more minutes. I'm not going to go through the passage, but I do want to just look at because I just think it's really cool. Uh, turn the page over to 126. Everlasting Father, what do you see? Yeah, so it's, it's infinity. Mm-hmm. No, but it's, there's one end of infinity, right? And another end of infinity. Is that a
1: take off on the
0: Sistine Chapel? It must be a take on the Sistine Chapel, except it's the, it's the infant, you know, it's there's, is there anything better in the world than, than having a little kid, just an infant, grab onto your finger? Yes, there is, but that's that's a good, that's still a really good thing, and um, yeah, I just love it. What else do you see? From childhood to adulthood. Fully God, fully man, the hypostatic union. Yeah.
1: And there's a path that path figure eight leads from one to the other. Yeah.
0: It says, I am the Father of one. I am the Father of one, mm-hmm. Jesus said, mm-hmm. yeah. love it. The beginning and the end. The beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. There's a lot there. All right. Well, we are not having um, record form next week. We're just to have one service, 930 service in the morning because that's Advent 4 on Christmas Eve. So that's the way that happens. Um, So we're not having breakfast next week, not having um, rectors Forum. So the rest of the book is up to you to read. Uh, But I hope this is jarring in a good and helpful way uh, for your Advent. And I hope that you will join us in Epiphany uh, for the Wednesday night, How to Pray. I think for Epiphany in, um, and maybe into Lent, but certainly for Epiphany in Rectors Forum, what I'm planning on doing is going through the Nicene Creed slowly. And uh, and just talking about the theological impact of, of what that says, because you know why we have the Nicene Creed where we have it in the service, right? It always comes right after the sermon, in case the preacher preaches heresy. And then, <laughs> and so that's that's why we put it there, just in case we wanted to get it to get, sort of wash your, rinse out your your sort of. Um, uh, palette from any heresy you just heard. We get what the church has always affirmed. And so we're going to go through that. And I will do my best not to mess it up. But that will be uh, in, starting an epiphany. All right? God bless you. If you haven't already been, uh, go to church. And if you have already been to church, go again. Because it's lessons and carols, and it's going to be great. Ray, I'm so glad to see you. Good to see you. It's, okay. it's been, uh, Good to see you, Ray. I hope you're doing well, buddy. You're in, you're, you're in my prayers.
1: Is we're going through something about the... Um